You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Hunt and Onyx Maps. Now, I got to have a a little heart-to-heart with you here real quick. I used Onyx Maps on my phone every single day during the hunting season, whether I was out west during my elk hunt, South Dakota mule deer hunt, or my rut vacation in Iowa, I was on my phone using Onyx Maps every part of the day, whether I was looking at terrain features uh, on the topographic and, and satellite maps that they offer on their uh, uh, on their app, or if I was leaving a waypoint like a watering hole or where I left my trail cameras or tree stands, or if I was marking a route from a campsite to a glassing position or from my truck to a tree stand location. I used Onyx Maps every single day, and I feel like it's an app that made my life a little bit easier. I don't know about you, but uh, there's been times in the past where I have been trying to find a tree stand based off of memory and not off of looking at a map and uh, I I have gotten lost in the dark before I had to wait till sun up and then and then you know find it that way but that problem does not exist anymore because of Onyx and uh, there's a ton of other features that I think you guys need to check out go to onyxmaps.com and uh, check out uh, all the functionality of the app uh, download it to your phone give it a try and when you do decide to purchase enter the discount code nation 20 n a t i o n 20 and for new users you're going to re- receive 20% off. So, onyxmaps.com. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Ohio Huntsman podcast. And today's show is going to be about hunting permissions. And most people talk about how to get hunting permissions, but we're going to kind of flip it the other way. And once you've got hunting permission, things that you should be doing, things that you should be keeping in mind in order to keep that hunting permission. So, you know, we we see people talk about losing hunting permission online. Um, You know, we've had some experiences uh, with properties where we have permission, you know, interacting with other people that also have permission. And 
So we're just going to kind of give our thoughts on, like I said, things that you should do, things that you should keep in mind when you're using somebody else's property for hunting permission, trapping permission, whatever it is that they've given you permission to do on their property. So before we get into that, I want to talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. Monster Whitetail Grub is a premium deer feed company because, one, they source all of their their ingredients and everything from Ohio, even down to the packaging, like the buckets and things that they they sell their product in from Ohio. All right, so that's that's a good plus in my book, right? Supporting the Ohio economy. And they just make a good product. It's a high protein feed. It's got mineral mixed in. So it we, we've just had very good success with it. Right? You've heard me say the, the, they eat the feed and then that mineral works its way down into the dirt. And so they keep coming back even after the physical feed is gone. We don't seem to have as much issues with coons just sitting and gorging on the stuff. I mean, coons will come check it out, but we don't have as much issues with coons with monster white toe grub as compared as compared to like straight corn. So it's a good product. We really like it and it helps support the show. One thing I'll also add is if you're going to start feeding deer, if you haven't been feeding deer all year, if you're going to introduce monster white toe grub, or even if you're going to introduce corn, if deer haven't been feeding on that you need to introduce it slowly because we always see this time of year people go out and they they think they're helping and they dump you know 50 100 pounds of corn on the ground the deer come and gorge themselves on corn they haven't been feeding on corn for months now and it can end up killing the deer so whether it's monster white toe grub, some other uh, purchased feed, or just straight corn, you need to introduce that stuff slowly, especially this time of year when deer haven't been feeding on that, you know, like I said, for months now. If you've been, you know, if there's corn in the area and, and you've been feeding and your neighbors have been feeding, it, you know, no issues. Have at it. But if they haven't been feeding on corn and you just go out and dump a bunch of corn, you can actually do more harm than good so just wanted to put that out there and keep that in mind when you're starting to feed this time of year and now let's get into the conversation about hunting permission welcome to the ohio huntsman podcast where three brothers jason jacob and jeff discuss all things hunting in ohio our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of ohio as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so today on the show, we wanted to talk about something, uh, I guess from a different angle, right? there's, There's a fair bit of content out there about getting hunting permissions, but, you know, based on some of the things we've, you know, we, we kind of see comments online and, and things like that. And, and just, you know, through personal experiences, we want to talk about how to not lose your hunting permission. So, you you know, you've gained permission to somebody's private property. They're allowing you to hunt. And so what are, what are some things that you can do 
to not lose that permission. Would you, does that sound good, guys? You think that's a good topic to cover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important because getting permission is hard enough, or you know, guys seem to struggle with that. But it's really important that once you get it, that you maintain it. So. Right. Yeah, and it also seems that there's a lot of people out there that don't really understand the privilege it is to have access to someone else's property to hunt and don't understand why they lose permission then because they're not treating the property correctly or the landowners and you know uh desires yeah yeah i mean that, that's one of the big things that that i try to keep in mind and and everybody that has permission on private ground is they are doing you a favor Right there. You're not doing them a favor. Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'll take care of those pesky deer for you. You know, like they are doing you a favor. They're they're allowing you to come on their property that they've, you know, their family has worked for, you know, anybody that owns property likes to take care of it and enjoys nature. Right. Otherwise, they wouldn't pay to own a bunch of property. And so they're doing you a favor. And so act like it right like treat their property with respect treat it like you would treat your own property or or better than you would treat your own property um and like like jeff kind of mentioned honor honor what they want and so one of the things i'll say here is you know if they ask you to not cut trees even if you know you you know you're talking trimming for shooting lanes or um you know, screwing things into trees. If they say, I don't want you doing that, don't do it. Or if you, you know, if you really need to trim a branch and you don't think it's going to be a big deal, ask them first. Don't just trim it and assume they're not going to notice. Because, you know, it's there, it, depending on, especially depending on the size of the property, like if it's 40 acres, they're probably going to notice a cut branch, you know, like it, it's not, how else would it have gotten cut? Right. Clean cut. Right. So if they yeah. say don't cut branches, don't cut branches. If they don't want things screwed into the trees, even if it doesn't make sense to you, right? Like it's just a, it, you know, it's just a screw in hook or something. What if they're managing this for timber value and you know, you're not privy to that knowledge and you just left a steel, hook or something in their tree and then you know you you forget another one in another tree or you know you forget about a set of screwing steps and the tree grows around it and then you can't get it out and you're you know you're damaging timber value for them you're you're actually taking money out of their pocket by doing that and so you know, you always hear the gates thing, right? Like leave gates how you found them, right? Especially, you know, if they've got cattle or whatever, mm. if you find a gate and it's open, leave it open. If you find a gate that's closed and you, and, you know, you got to drive your truck through it or something, close it when you get through. Yeah. Uh, back to the, the trees thing. I mean, basically anyone who owns a woodlot, whether they know it or not, they're in the timber industry. You know, at some point, whether it's them or the next person who owns that property, at some point it's going to be timbered or it's going to be cut for firewood or it's going to be 
turned into some other sort of asset where those trees are valuable, whether, you know, it's turned into uh, a development or left as a natural area, people like the trees to stay there. And so really you got to respect trees. I mean, uh, make sure that your stands, when you're leaving them up, you're not girdling the trees. That's a good point. You know, don't shoot trees, you know, try not to shoot a tree if you can avoid it, you know, with an arrow or with a gun. You know, you really, you got to think of those trees as the valuable asset that they are to the landowner. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I, I, I didn't even have those things on the, on my list here, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, you know the, the straps is a big one, right? You leave a stand, and the strap gets you know the trees continuing to grow, and the strap gets so tight, you know, like you said, you can girdle and kill a tree that way. Yeah, I can't count the number of trees that I've seen girdled, e- even on properties where I know the landowner is managing that property, you know, specifically for timber. Right. And there's a stand that's, you know, been there for a few years and it's girdling the tree. Yeah. The other thing kind of along those lines is is trash. Don't leave your trash. And I know that like seems obvious, but things that you, you know, I'm not talking about like, you know, you brought snacks and you and you left the, the wrappers or like that's clearly trash. Right. And I think. I would like I would like to think that that's pretty obvious, but like your your hot hands hand warmers, you know, like I think those say they're biodegradable, but don't leave them laying there, you know, because it just looks one again they're gonna notice and it just looks trashy. It looks like trash. The other thing, if if you're hanging scent wicks or anything like that, that's trash. Right. Like you, there's a scent wick hanging from a, a, a tree limb or something, you know, like it, it's not there naturally. So don't leave it there. Right. You know, they, they again, think about it like the old adage of, of uh, leave it as good or as better or better than you, when you found it, you know. So. And then the other thing that I've I've seen sometimes, right? You have a a, a fabric um, ground blind, and you know over time they get sun faded, and and the wind shreds them or whatever. And now you put it there; it's a shredded piece of trash, so it it it's of no value to you. But you need to get it out of there. Don't just leave a shredded ground blind you know, on their field edge or, or in their woods because, oh, it's, you know, it's shredded. It's, you know, it's trash. Take it out of there, throw it away, do, you know, do whatever with it. But don't leave that kind of, you know, trash that you, I guess you wouldn't, you know, when, I guess when you initially say trash, you know, it's water bottles and, and, you know, granola bar wrappers and that kind of thing. But those other little things are, are, trash also right yeah the scent wicks is a big one that i see um when i'm walking whether it's public land 
which kind of falls into the same thing. You should take care of that too, even if you don't necessarily need to get permission. But um, you see the scent wicks, and then the other big one I see is the uh, buck bombs now. People set off one of those buck bombs and toss it over, you know, away from their stand. They're up in their tree stand and go, oh, I'm going to hit this buck bomb, you know. they So they depress it, and it starts blowing scent everywhere, and they toss it, whatever, 10 or 15 yards from their stand, hoping the deer will come by there. Well, that's a metal can. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? I stumble upon those a lot, too, where it's like, well, I know that guy was hunting that tree right there because this is where he has his wicks. And you know what I mean? You shouldn't be able to identify where someone else is hunting without just because yeah. of the trash you left. Yeah. Even even yeah. like the, you know, if you're going to tie flags or something to mark your way to your stand or like those little reflective tacks, you know, if if I guess clear it with the landowner first, if you want to use, you know, little flags or something clear it with them first and just 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 be very open and honest and and ask them if when in doubt ask the landowner because like you know going back to the beginning they're doing you a favor and they don't have to let you on their property to hunt and they can take away that that uh, privilege at any point Right. Yeah. And like you kind of circling back a little bit too, like you said, as, as a new property owner, um, I mean, you, when you said that, you know, they will notice when you cut a branch, um, you do notice, you know what I mean? That property, especially a smaller parcel, that's your pride and joy, so to speak. You know what I mean? You know, every branch of every tree of that parcel and if something's missing or, you know, I had a situation or I have a situation that I have to get to the bottom of where there's the one neighbor is cutting a tree that, depending on how you draw the property line, might be on my property, might not be. But, I mean, you notice. You notice when things are yeah. different. There used to be a tree there. Now there's not. <laughs> you know, so it's just really important. It might, like you said, it might seem small. I'm just going to trim these two branches off to make a shooting lane. Well, when I'm walking this field edge, there didn't used to be a hole right there. You know what I mean? Like going into the woods. Now there is. You notice it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, well, and, and, and nothing in nature leaves a freshly cut surface like that, right? Like right. if something breaks off, that's one thing. But, you know, we hunted the... Uh, we got drawn for one of the parks hunts and in the rules, you know, they say not to cut any trees or, or limbs when you're in there, but you can look around and see trees that have been trimmed for stands and they're not, you know, we were the first ones in there this year. So they were, they were, you know, in years past. And so the, you know, the cut isn't like fresh, raw wood that you know that's very obvious but you know you can look up and go oh this tree has been trimmed right there's branches that are cut straight off with a saw at tree stand height you know and so it's it it wasn't even a property that we owned but we still noticed it right right, right. so right 
And even if you get the landowner's permission to trim trees, uh, learn how to trim a tree properly. You know, because if you cut a branch the wrong way, you know, just basically cut it just at any old point, you know, you can really expose that tree to viruses and pests and fungus and harm the tree. So, I mean, it only takes a few second Google search to kind of see, you know, what's the best way to trim a branch and you can see what it is and, you know, trim branches that way. Yeah. Yeah. The, so kind of along, those are, you know, ways to kind of respect their property. You know, the other thing that I'll say is, and we kind of touched on it in the beginning is, is sort of honor their, their, goals for the property, if you will, you know, if they're, if they're letting you on the property and they say, oh yeah, we, you know, the, the, you know, say it's a farm or something and, oh yeah, the, you know, the deer are really doing a number on our crops, you know, we'd, we'd really like to get the, the deer numbers down. Well, don't go in there and hold out for a buck. That's not why the landowner let you on, right? If, if a buck walks by, that that's all good. Or, or if you are going to hold out for a buck, make sure you come back after that and do some doe patrol or something. Cause that's, what's going to bring the numbers down. And that's why they let you on. Right. I think, you know, people get on with false pretenses. They get on to, to a property with false pretenses, if you will saying, Oh yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll knock some deer down. And then they shoot one buck. Well, that, didn't help them out at all that helped you but it didn't help the landowner yeah yeah i think that's definitely important because you get on a new piece of property and you know it's new to you it's the unknown so there's in your mind as a hunter you're hoping there's big bucks there's got to be big bucks here nobody's hunted it before or you know i'm they don't you know it's a permission only there's not a lot of guys in here I've seen big bucks here. So then it, like you said, turns into a big buck property. But if the landowner specifically said to you, like, yeah, my, the crop damage is unimaginable. So I'd love if you'd come out and hunt, even if he doesn't directly say, like, I need you to shoot does. That's what he means. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that's what he's getting at is the deer numbers need to come down and, Anyone who knows, I guess, anything about the biology of deer or the maintenance of a deer herd, does, as go the does, goes the deer population. Right. Um, You know, you can't shoot, you can't get rid of all the bucks on a property. I mean, you can, but only being able to shoot one a year in the state of Ohio, it's not going to help anything. You know, the bucks will travel and impregnate the does. So it takes one buck and he can make a lot of babies. <laughs> so, right. um, I think that's definitely important, especially on some of like the farms, the bigger pieces that are a lot of farmland. Um, you know, cause again, it comes back to that's money in their pocket. The crop damage is taking money out of their pocket. So if they're telling you that that's essentially why they're letting you on their property, you know, you're essentially 
taking money from them or at least not helping them to get more money in their pocket by not fulfilling your end by shooting does. Yeah. Right. Want to take a break and talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. So Mastin's is a premium scent product company. They make all kinds of different unique deer scent products. They've also got some some predator scents, some like enhancer scents, I think they call them. So you've got that going for you, which might be more top of mind this time of year. But the one thing I'll say is they make a good product. It's a good company and they support us. So if you guys are looking for a way to support the podcast because you like the content and you know, you just as a way to say thanks, I would encourage you to check out Mastin's. I know you're probably not using scents this time of year, but just keep them in mind when it comes to, you know, setting up your mock scrapes there before season starts or scents are a good way to get bucks in front of your camera if you're trying to keep, you know, kind of tabs on what bucks are around. So keep those things in mind. And if you're going to use scents, I would encourage you to check out Mastin's. You can go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors and you can find all the information on our sponsors and Mastin's you can order right from their site and they'll ship it right to your house. So with that, let's get back to the conversation. The other thing is, uh, you know, if they let you on for deer, don't shoot other species, even if they're, you know, like what I'm thinking is coyotes, unless you've asked the landowner first, you know, for all you know, they, they like the coyotes and the coyotes are, you know, I don't know, maybe they've got, I don't know. I'm, I'm blanking on a scenario where they would want the coyotes around. Maybe they just like hearing them howl or, you know, you, you, you just never know. Well, and again, I guess if you're thinking of the farm, the coyotes essentially are helping keep the deer population down. So That's if they true. think, yeah. they think they have too many deer. They might not want you shooting the coyotes because yeah. without them, they're going to have even more deer. Right. Yeah. yeah. So also you know. if, if they ask you to shoot coyotes and you see them, you may have to, you know, ruin quote unquote a deer hunt. Cause if you see a coyote, you, you got to shoot it, you know? Right. And that, that might harm your hunt for that day, but you know, the landowner's doing you a favor by allowing you to hunt there. Even, even if you are leasing the property, even if you are paying the landowner, you still need to understand their intentions because, you know, next year they may not decide to lease to you. They may lease to the, you know, the guy down the street. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's, those are all great points. Cause you know, it, it's all too easy to slip up with something like that thinking, Oh yeah, it'll be fine because you know, you like to shoot coyotes or, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and then you've upset a landowners, you know, even, even unknowingly, you know, so just, just be very clear and communicate with the landowner. What are their goals? If they say, yeah, come on, you know, we've got, we've, uh, we've seen some good bucks running around, you know, and, and I don't have time to hunt, but it would be awesome, you know, if you got one, 
then you know then have at it but yeah if they if they've allowed you to come on given you permission to come on and yeah the you know the deer numbers are really hurting my crops or they're eating my you know my apple trees or you know whatever it is they want deer numbers brought down so respect that those wishes and and help them bring the numbers down the other thing along those lines is if a landowner gave you permission that doesn't necessarily mean he gave you and a buddy permission so don't bring somebody else with you even if it's it's just to check trail cameras or something without asking first right if he sees some strange dude walking around on his property there's a good chance he's going to be pissed and so don't assume that because he gave you permission and you always hunt with your buddy or your brother or whatever that that your buddy or brother also has permission even if it's husband and wife like you know make sure that you've cleared that first before you bring them don't just say oh you know you know go get permission and then bring your wife or your wife says oh you know I'd, I'd like to try hunting and then take them out to this property without talking to the landowner first it's just it's a respect thing, I guess, in my opinion, right? Like, just show them some respect, and uh, hopefully you can maintain your permission. Right. So, anything else you guys can think of about maintaining permission? Well, just, it's a big thing to understand the landowner's goals and motivation you know, what their intentions are for that property and what what they're looking to have happen, you know, because uh, you could go on, you know, a landowner gives you permission to hunt wherever you want. You can go hunt wherever you want. Well, you know, it's a Sunday evening. They're, you know, trying to have a, a picnic in the fall and you know you're out uh squirrel hunting you know and just blasting away in the woods that could be disruptive to them right you know and on the other side you know the landowner may want a lot of the populations thinned on animals and they they don't care how much shooting you're doing you know they want all the deer or rabbits or raccoons, you know, kill as many as you can because they're, you know, harming my crops or. Right. Yeah. You know, see, it's just really important to understand the landowner's goals and intentions. And very, very few people own property just to own it. Almost all. Everybody has some sort of financial motivation from owning that property, right. whether it's just holding it as an investment, whether it's timber value, whether they have cattle on it, it's for horses, it's for ATVing, you know, people have motivations for the property that they have. Well, and, and you're, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, 
And if you see a way that you can help out the landowner, you know, that would be great. You know, if, if I gave you permission to hunt my property and I run cattle and you have a stand, you know, that's 30 yards from a hole in my fence and I find that hole after my cattle have escaped, it's like, well, there's a stand. He could, he had to have seen this hole. Why didn't he notify me? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. You know, be thinking about how you can help them out. Right. If you didn't, like one thing I always try to do when I'm on somebody else's property is if I find trash, you know, that I of course didn't leave it, but it blew onto their property or somebody from before has, has left trash. I try, I always try to carry that out with me. Um, if it's, you know, if it's something that's too big to carry, you find a, you know, stash of old tires or something, you know, maybe offer to come back and, and, help them get that out of there or that sort of thing. Uh, the other thing that I've done in the past is, you know, one one of the properties they've got, um, some paths and stuff that they sort of maintain and they had a tree come down across the path. And so, you know, they were, I think they were out of town at, at the time, but I sent them a picture and, you know, Hey, just so you know, you guys got a tree down here and, you know, if, if you need, when, when, when you get back in town, you know, I can come out and help you get this thing cut off your path, you know, that kind of thing. They, you know, they didn't take me up on the offer, but at least they were aware that, Hey, you know, they've got a tree down and, and something that if they needed or, or wanted, I was willing to, to help them with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of try to make it a habit to, which I guess we'll maybe get into this a little more in a couple minutes, but, um, I always notify the landowner when I'm going to be on the property. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important, but to go further, kind of tie into what you said and every time I leave the property, not every time, but definitely a lot of the time I kind of just give them a report like, Hey, didn't see anything, but I saw X, Y, and Z. You know, I found this tree stand. Does someone else have property? There's this new stand up, or you know, permission. There's this new stand up. It's not mine. It's on your property. You know anything about it? Just to kind of give them, just to tell them what the property looks like, what I saw, what I didn't see. You know, because especially when you get into bigger pieces, sometimes the property owner doesn't. You know, if it's an older farmer, he doesn't either physically have the ability or, you know, the time to get out and walk his woodlots and whatever. So it's nice as a property owner, I imagine it would be nice to know, like, oh, thanks for telling me that whatever, like you said, a tree was down. Now I know I need to get whatever, get my grandkids over here to cut that up or whatever it is. Yep. Um, So I was just trying, not like a detailed you know, written report, but just like a quick text message or whatever, like, Hey, I was out, you know, I didn't see anything, but that's hunting, whatever. And then, but while I was out, I noticed yeah. whatever there was a cow on the wrong side of the fence, <laughs> yep. you know, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I've had good luck with that where it's like, Oh my gosh, thanks so much. I'll send someone to take care of it or 
you know, whatever. But, yeah, yeah, that that reminded me, um, you know, if you're running trail cameras and you, because this is a, a another personal experience, if you're running trail cameras and you catch something weird, like, you know, a person, you don't know, you know, if they're supposed to be there or not. So in, in that case, I, you know, I got pictures of a guy um, that was gun hunting on this property and uh, this, this particular property, they only want me bow hunting on. And, uh, so I, you know, Hey, I sent him this picture and said, Hey, uh, you know, do you know this guy? He, you know, he was, you know, he, obviously I have the, the date and time and, you know, he's carrying a gun and just wanted to let you know there was somebody on your property, uh, you know, on this date. And it turns out it was, um, if I recall, I think it was one of the neighbors that they allow to, um, you know, kind of come across their property or, or whatnot during, during gun season. But, you know, so it was, it was a non-issue, but they, they appreciated me letting them know that, Hey, you know, there was somebody back there. Yeah. Also reporting cool or strange wildlife that you catch on camera or see, you know, I find that landowners really enjoy that. You know, if you see something that's cool or strange, you know, river otter, beaver, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, because like you said, they, they, it would be a strange case, I think, if they owned property and, you know, hated nature and, (laughs) right? Like they, you know, most of the time, or I guess in my experience, right, they like hearing about what you saw and they and they they especially like seeing that you like you know being on their property and that didn't really make a ton of sense but like in my experience they get excited about your excitement for the experience that you had or the things that you saw on their property and you know they just they just like hearing the stories like you said, I, you know, I, 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 I uh, didn't get a deer, but I saw this, that, you know, oh, that's, that's really cool. Or, you know, you, you, if it's some, some of the landowners like seeing the trail cam pictures, you know, if you get a, a picture of a nice buck, you know, cause then, you know, they can kind of, you know, and maybe this kind of backfires, but again, you know, it goes to keeping a good relationship, but you know, they can kind of brag to their, their neighbors or if their neighbors say, Oh yeah, well, you know, we've been seeing this buck. I say, Oh yeah, yeah. We, you know, I saw pictures of that. You know, it's just kind of a, just a good kind of friendly neighborly thing to do, I guess, it, especially if you can tell, you know, you can kind of try it out and, and sort of, sort of feel out the waters. And if they, kind of light up, you know, and you can kind of read the situation and they, they like seeing that or they like hearing those stories, then continue to do that. If they're, you know, oh yeah, you know, you know, if they don't, if they don't seem to get too excited, then maybe it's not their thing, you know, but if they do, right, it, it's clearly something they enjoy and it would be a good way to kind of keep a good relationship with them. Yeah. I mean, kind of, a story, I guess. Um, I mean, our grandpa's farm, granted, we probably weren't going to lose permission. It's our grandpa, but assuming he wasn't our grandpa, he was an elderly farmer. Um, and 
he would just love when I would show him the trail cam pictures or, you know, whatever, or the picture of a hawk coming down and catching a rabbit or whatever I would catch on camera. That was just, you know, every time I was out there, he would ask me, you know, you get anything on the camera? Let's look at the pictures. Um, So, you know, in a situation like that, granted, I mean, he's my grandfather, but even if it, you know, there is no relation other than it's just the elderly farmer that you have permission on, you know, they, they love the outdoors. They love wildlife. I don't know if any farmer or outdoor person who makes their, you know, living off the land who doesn't appreciate that stuff. It just goes a long way to show and build relationships and friendships, you know, just to kind of share that with them, especially if there's someone who, you know, used to hunt and now physically can't get out and hunt anymore. Yeah. You know, they can kind of live vicariously through your experiences. Yep. You know, if you do get a deer on their property, I think it's super important to like share that with them, whether that's, you know, bring the deer to them, you know, show them the deer in your truck or whatever, or, you know, which we'll probably get into later, but sharing your harvest is super important. Well, yeah, that's Um, that's where I was going to, you know, from what you were saying, that's where I was going to go next is is sharing your harvest right it's because you you said you know especially if there's somebody that you know used to hunt but but can't anymore then right off the bat you know that they like wild game right so you should definitely be sharing that harvest with them right like give them you know my opinion is give them as much as they want, give them whatever cuts they want. If they want the tenderloins and the back straps, then that's what they get. Right. 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 I've always kind of went with the same mentality. Like they get pick of the litter, so to speak. You know, if I'm cutting deer up, they get first cut. Tell me what you want. I'll give it, I'll cut it off and we'll package it up for you right now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, cause like you said, it's a privilege. They don't have to let you hunt they don't have to so i mean it technically it's their property it's you know so yes you put the work in quote unquote to harvest the deer but they can very easily revoke that privilege and now you don't have any opportunities so the argument would be like well i needed that deer to feed my family it's like well if you don't have permission you're not getting it yeah so better to have half a deer than no deer yeah yeah or i mean even if they want the whole uh, the whole thing, right? Like, give them the right. first one, and right. now you just get to hunt more, right? Because you're right. gonna you're gonna get another one, and right. Um, you know, I even try to if they want, you know, more than just like the back straps, where you're just gonna kind of vacuum pack them or, or wrap them up in, in butcher paper or something, you know, like I'll pay to have the deer processed. You know, if they want something you know, if they want ground or, or whatever, you know, I'll pay to have the deer processed and just give them the, you know, the frozen finished packaged meat just as a way to say, thanks. You know, I appreciate you letting me hunt here and, and, you know, then you guys can both kind of share in, in the harvest really in, in, in the bounty of their land. Right. So if you're, you know, if you're splitting the deer or you're just going to give them some choice cuts, right. You know, you're going to pay to have the deer processed anyway, or you're going to, you know, if you process it yourself, that's fine too. 
we or I pay to have mine processed. So, you know, I cover that cost. Again, just as a, you know, it's a just as a way to say thanks and show respect. Right. Yeah. And, you know, especially if it's a just straight permission, you know, no lease, no other payment, so to speak. Like, that's the least you can do. Right. Yeah. If you don't get a deer, you know, consider getting getting them like a Christmas gift or something. Get them some kind of a, a gift basket or, you know, a, a meat and cheese tray or, or you know, something just to, again as a way to show your appreciation because we've said it a bunch but they're doing you a favor they don't have to let you on and so anything you can do to kind of butter them up keep them happy is is all good so anything you guys got anything else that we haven't touched on yet uh ask where you can drive your vehicles oh you know, make yes. sure you get permission don't even if you think that field is frozen rock salad, make sure you get permission before you drive your truck across it. Yeah. Even if there appears to be a four-wheeler path through the woods, make sure you get permission before you drive your four-wheeler, you know, through that path. Because, you know, that that may be a old four-wheeler path that they no longer allow people to ride their four-wheeler on. That may be an old logging road that, you know, they and they don't want people driving their four-wheeler on it, make sure you get permission uh, before you drive your vehicle anywhere. Yep. Yeah, that's a great... I, I'm surprised that we... Or, I, you know, I was going <laughs> to forget about that, but, yeah, that's, a, that's huge, right? Because you can tear things up with your vehicle, or you mm-hmm. don't... I mean, maybe they're trying to to get trees growing in a particular area, you know, and they've got they've got little saplings that you didn't notice and then you just ran them all over or, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do uh, a lot of damage or, or, or negative consequences that can come from driving your vehicle somewhere where you shouldn't be, where you didn't have permission to drive it. There's a guy down the road and I don't know the situation at all, but I drive by and I, you know, there's a little pull off on this, in this field and, uh, you know, you see a, vehicle parked there from time to time and uh then at some point throughout the season there there's soybeans in this field and they've still there this the beans are still there they haven't cut them yet haven't picked them yet and uh at some point there's a set of tracks that run right from that pull off straight through the field back to the wood line and i'm you know i'm assuming there's not two sets of tracks i'm assuming they came back out but Boy, I hope they got permission to to drive through the field like that. Because man, it's it's blatantly obvious what happened, right? It's it's right there. The pull off is you know a right. vehicle or two long right there to get off the road and into the field, and then the tracks go straight back, and the beans are run over. They're smashed down. So yeah, yeah. I didn't know this story, but I think I know what field you're talking about. And uh-huh. I think uh, I because I saw a guy who was saying last year that he got permission to hunt that property. Mm-hmm. And 
I saw him again this year saying that he doesn't have permission and he's looking for property in the county to hunt. Oh. So he may have lost permission. I think yeah. that property is being sold um, because there is for fe- for sale signs yeah. at, a, at one side of it. Yep. So that might be, but he also may have lost permission because of that. Yeah. Well, I know somebody's still, because just the other night I went by, might have been the last day of muzzleloader I went by and I saw a guy walking the field edge, uh, you know, right at dark, you know, just, it had just gotten dark. And, uh, you know, he was in camo with an orange vest on carrying a muzzleloader out mm-hmm. of there. So, but yeah, just, uh, think about things, make sure you know what the landowner wants and just be very clear with them. One thing I want to circle back on, you know, Jake, you said you, you text them when you are going out there and then try to give them a report on the way out. You know, another thing that I do, you know, kind of along the lines of that report, or if there's not, you know, if I just went to check trail cameras, and there's not much to report or whatever. I also text them when I'm leaving so that if they, you know, one, they know I'm not back on their property. And so, you know, if they hear something back there or they, you know, they see somebody tooling around back there, it, it's, they know it's not me. Right. Like, and they know what time I left, right. They've got a text message or something as, you know, sort of a time stamp of when I left. And so I think it's a, you know, it's a good, if something does happen, and they know, oh, well, you know, Jason, I, I, he said he left at, you know, two o'clock that afternoon. And, and, you know, we went back there and, you know, heard something at, at four o'clock or something, right? You've got kind of a, a little bit of a record of like, well, you know, I, that wasn't me, man. You know, I, I, I texted you when I left. I, I left at two o'clock and, um, you know, hopefully you're never in that situation. But it's just right. a good a good way to kind yeah. of let the landowner know the status of things i'm back there okay now i'm i'm leaving right also the landowner just knows that you're alive right yeah you know they they know that you didn't fall in a hole back there and you know they 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 know they're looking for you right they know you went on and left safely yep yeah yeah the other thing i'll say is don't assume you know, you got permission one year. Don't assume that you have permission the next year, right? Sort of touch back in with the landowner. Don't just show up to hunt opening day. You know, touch back in, see how they're doing, make sure that it's cool if you hunt there again. Because maybe, you know, they've got a, a, a grandson or something that has, you know, gotten old enough to hunt or has started to show interest and, they're, you know, they want to, kind of reserve that for a, a grandchild or something, you know, situations change. And so just check back in with them, I guess. Don't assume, don't assume anything, but you know, don't assume that you still have permission from year to year. Yeah. Yeah. I know that was a, uh, big issue out at grandpa's farm that, um, now kind of come to 
ahead is that there's a lot of people that have always quote unquote, always hunted it that now that, um, you know, grandpa has passed, it's kind of been more like, well, who's on the property? Who isn't? We got to get a ahead of this because we need to know who's on the property right? and when they're on the property. It's, that's definitely something that I think is important is checking back in year to year, the old adage of, you know, Oh, I got permission from so-and-so. It's like, well, that, they've been dead 10 years. Like, right. You know, you no longer have permission, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's just good to, and like, it's just, it's all about relationships. I mean, you gotta maintain that relationship on whatever level the property owner wants it to be. I mean, don't, annoy them or pester them but like it's it's not going to hurt to give them a call a month before season or whatever and as soon as you want to get out there and start scouting just hey just checking in you know hope you've had a good summer deer season's coming up do you mind if i hunt out at your place again i'd like to come out and whatever hang my stands or yeah do whatever. And then part of that conversation, you could say, you know, is there anything you need me to help you with while I'm out there? And it just, I mean, you almost have to think of the landowner as a friend. It's not, yeah. especially if you're not paying them to hunt there, you know what I mean? It's not a business proposition in all, in most cases, a lot of it's just verbal permission or written permission, but it's, there's nothing exchanged other than, you know, maybe your friendship or, you're keeping an eye on the property or, you know, helping them fix their fences or cut a few trees down or whatever it is. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, unless there's anything else, I think that's a good place to end it. I got one more. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, don't assume that you're the only one with hunting permission. And uh, yes. Slay nice with the other people who do have hunting permission. Yeah. Because if, if you're the guy being a jerk, everybody's going to report you back and you're not going to get permission. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you know, everybody's great. You know, I ran into so-and-so, you know, he's great. And then it's like, but there was some other guy who, you know, came in and sat, you know, put his climber you know, 30 yards from me and yep. or whatever, you know, just play nice with the other people that have permission. Yeah. yeah. And kind of along those same lines. Um, I mean, it, you have permission to hunt the property. It's not your property. So you don't get to decide who else has permission. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like if you don't know who else has permission or if the landowner doesn't ask you to specifically approach people and ask them to show permission you know you're not the police you're not the yep. game warden <laughs> you know i mean it's fine if you want to report back to the landowner and say hey I ran into another guy or whatever and they might say oh you know what vehicle were they driving and then it's like oh that's steve he has permission too here's his phone number if you want to talk to him or whatever you know yeah. but you're not in charge of who's on and who's not. That's a good, like Jeff said, that's a good way to get kicked off <laughs> because, you know, as a landowner, if my 
you know, my kids aren't old enough to drive or hunt or whatever, but you know, if I'm a landowner and all of a sudden a guy from down the street who I gave permission to is coming beating on my door at eight o'clock because they saw another truck and that other truck is my son. It's like, dude, that's my kid. Like back off. Yeah. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it's none of your business. <laughs> so that, like you said, that's a good way to upset either landowner or the other people who are hunting the property. And depending on who the other people are, they might, you know, if it's a relative or something, you know, they have more right, quote unquote, to the land than you do. So if you upset them or the landowner, it's a good way to get your rights revoked. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's really important to have good communication with the landowner. You need to know their intentions and what they're trying to accomplish with the property and trying to accomplish with having you hunt and before you do anything basically anything at all you need to ask for permission you know you may think it's completely you know not a big deal at all but you need to ask you know maybe the landowner doesn't want you baiting or you know, there's a thousand things before you do anything at all. You need to ask the landowner, is it okay if I do X? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great one that we didn't really touch on, but yeah, just because it's legal, if the landowner asks you not to, you need to respect the landowner's wishes. You know, like Jeff said, you know, it's legal to bait in Ohio, but if the landowner says, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, like that or you know i don't like that style of hunting or something right even if they don't have a reason if they just no i, I don't want you putting corn out there well and even if they put... even if they don't say that they don't want you to it's your job to make sure that it's okay with them that you do do something yeah you know they yeah. it's their property they don't need to tell you everything that they don't want you to do it's your job to if you're going to do something, make sure that it's okay with them. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a good conversation. I think, uh, you know, we touched on some good things here. So I'll ask you all out there because I, I, I think this kind of information could be a good way to, you know, getting private property owners, private landowners you know, putting a good taste back in their mouth about letting people on their property, right? You know, we, we see a lot on social media about people complaining about not being, you know, not being able to get access or, um, you know, things being leased up. But if, if we were all doing a, a better job of treating the landowners good, and I know money speaks, right? If somebody comes knocking on their door and offering to give them thousands of dollars to hunt on their property, you know, that's tough to compete with. But if you've already been in there and you've established a good relationship with them, maybe they would, you know, say, Hey, you know, these, these people are, are offering to pay me all this money, you know, could you give me a couple hundred bucks or something? You know, maybe they'll lease it to you because they didn't know that leasing was even a thing. 
but you know, they'll, they'll cut you a break on it or, or something, you know, I don't know. So I guess what I'm just saying is share the, share the information, tell people about this kind of stuff, because I think us as hunters need to do a better job. And if you're already doing these things, good, continue to do them, but get the word out on just treating private landowners good, treat them with respect. And like Jeff said, you know, just have very open and clear communication with them so that you don't unknowingly do something that, you know, really rubs them the wrong way or, or, you know, goes against their, their values or morals or, or goals with the property. And so I think with that, thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next week. All right. So that's going to do it for this week. As always, I want to thank everybody for listening. I appreciate it. And if you could, take a screenshot of whatever you're listening on, share it to your stories, share it to your page, tag us so that we know you enjoyed this content. And the other thing I'll say is let us know what kind of hunting permissions stories you have. We're always interested to hear what kind of things are going on with other people in the state or or even if it's not in the state. So let us know if you've had, you know, good experiences with keeping hunting permissions or if you've had some kind of negative interaction and and you lost permission. Just kind of curious what, you know, what kind of experiences our listeners have had. So hit us up on Facebook. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook. Instagram, we're Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast. And let us know. Send us a message. Comment on the post when we, you know, when we share this episode. However you enjoy getting in touch with us there's lots of ways so whatever you prefer and as always thanks for listening Mm -hmm.